we need Julian Assange. And one thing I want to say to you today is, it is not only that he is the victim of torture, it is not only that his life is at stake, it is not only that we want to save him from a dreadful injustice, we also want to save him because the world needs Julian Assange as a symbol and fighter for liberty in these times. That was Craig Murray at the very uh, top of the show. Craig Murray at uh, St. Pancras Church in London uh, back in uh, December 2019. Uh, one of his uh, hundreds of speeches on behalf of um, Julian Assange. And uh, I'm Randy Credical. This is Randy Credical live on the fly on WBAI. Craig Murray, who has been generous with his time at this station. Uh, he is a regular at Mainstay. Uh, he helped build my show maybe 20 or 30 times. He, he has appeared over the last five years. And uh, now Craig Murray has been convicted and sentenced to eight months in prison for uh, journalism. That's it. He has been framed. He has been targeted, uh, politically targeted uh, by the uh, powers that be in Scotland. And um, this is a very, very uh, dire situation. So we're devoting today's show uh, on behalf of Craig Murray. Uh, this may be the beginning of the uh, Craig Murray Countdown to Freedom uh, series right here, because we're on this to the very end until Craig is extricated uh, from the uh, legal morass that he uh, now is uh, in the middle of. Um, we're, we have, we have uh, Julian Assange's father, uh, who will be uh, uh, joining us in, in about 30 minutes. We have uh, Deepa Driver, uh, a close friend of, of uh, not only Assange, but of uh, Craig Murray. Uh, she'll be joining us shortly. And also a uh, great writer who has been following the uh, Craig Murray uh, persecution, legal persecution uh, in Scotland. And he'll be joining us in just a few minutes. So. We're gonna take a break uh, here, a quick break. Uh, and I think we're going to play some very nice music and come back and talk to Mohammed Elmazi, uh, the writer who wrote uh, a seminal piece on the uh, proceedings uh, that Craig Marie just underwent. We'll be right back. When I was young, it seemed that life was so
Super Tramp logical song, which is Craig Murray's uh, favorite tune, so he says. And over the last five years and the 25, 30 interviews I've done with him, we've always transitioned or segued into the interview with that uh, tune. Uh, and he's a logical guy, so uh, it makes sense. Uh, I'm Randy Critical, Randy Critical live on the fly here on 99.5 FM in New York City. We are discussing today uh, the recent conviction and the recent sentencing of our dear friend, uh, the great whistleblower, uh, ex-UK uh, senior diplomat ambassador to Uzbekistan, Craig Murray, also the author of many books. Uh, we are being joined now uh, by Mohammed uh, Almazi, who wrote an article recently uh, in the dissenter that Craig really appreciated, really gave us a great overview of the entire proceedings. Uh, Mohammed Almazi uh, uh, writes for a number of great publications such as Jacobin, The Canary, and The Electronic Intifada, and of course, Dissenter, where this article recently appeared. Uh, thank you, Mohammed, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so let me begin by, uh, you've been following this case from the outset since um, when he was first charged, am I right? That's correct. I've been, I've covered both the trial as well as the sentencing hearings. Right. So uh, I, I remember I was in Belmars the last time I saw Craig during the Assange uh, proceedings, the first half uh, at Belmars. And he was, when that was over, he was going to cover uh, this uh, trial of uh, Alex Salmond um, and put it on his website. And then the next thing you know, a year later, he's being tried. So just the genesis of this, what, what led to Craig Murray being charged? Let's go back to the beginning. So Craig Murray was charged with contempt of court, and that's relating to the nature of his coverage of the trial of former Scottish First Minister Alex Salmond, uh, who was uh, charged and tried under 14 different sex assault and sex harassment charges. Alex Salmond was ultimately acquitted on all the charges. And uh, Craig Murray had been writing about the investigation, both before Alex Salmon was ultimately tried, and he also published articles during the trial. And essentially it was argued, well, there were three main charges that were levied against uh, Craig, uh, three main uh, contempt of court charges, uh, two of which failed, were dismissed by the, by the trial judges because there were, it was a three judge panel. There's no jury when it comes to contempt of court. Um, and then in one of them, he was found, uh, effectively, he was found guilty. And these relate to the nature of his articles. Essentially, it was argued that Craig had, through the material, the various articles that he'd written, had published information that if somebody out there uh, read those articles, they might be able to piece together information from the various articles that would result in them being able to identify a protected witness in Alex Salmon's trial. Now, it wasn't actually argued that this did happen, merely that it could happen. Uh, and this is known as jigsaw identification. So being able to piece together pieces in a puzzle or a jigsaw. Um, according to a statement from Craig Murray's family, this is the first known case of somebody being convicted of, in Scotland of contempt of court through jigsaw identification. Uh, and it's argued that uh, by the prosecution and ultimately by the judges who found against Craig, 
that uh, in so doing, he violated a court order that was issued by the trial judge in Alex Salmon's uh, trial, which prohibited the publication of information that may likely result in the identification of a protected witness. Now, of course, Craig denied this. He, he argued that um, there were other outlets, including mainstream outlets that had also published jigsaw information. In fact, they, they submitted examples where they said that there is more jigsaw information in these articles than anything I published. And, and uh, they also argued that any errors that may have happened would have been in, in good faith. So it, it wasn't found that he had directly identified anybody merely to the combination of an article in March and another article in March, an article in January, an article in April, if somebody had combined the various pieces of information together that they might be able to uh, identify a witness. And ultimately the judges found against him in relation to some of the articles, if you read their judgment. Uh, well, the judge in the contempt uh, case is the same judge that oversaw the um, the trial of Alex Solomon, right? That's correct. And so I find judge. that a little conflict of interest there. Uh, and so this case seems to me to have been politically motivated. And there are many out there who argue that the whole thing was a conspiracy. Can you give us an overview of the conspiracy allegations against the state uh, in the uh, Solomon uh, investigation and uh, the charges against him? Yes, yeah, so um, emails, uh, uh, bits and pieces of information started to emerge in 2019, in fact, uh, of what appeared to be, uh, not what appeared to be, what definitely were communications via email and text message between senior civil servants in the Scottish government, senior uh, ranking members of the Scottish National Party bureaucracy, which Alex Salmond is a former leader of the Scottish National Party, and even some of the uh, alleged victims in, in Alex Salmond's case. And uh, without going into the details of those emails, um, it basically, uh, it looked like there were agreements, which you could describe uh, as a conspiracy to smear uh, Alex Salmond. And in fact, so much information had come out before Salmond was even tried in the end in March last year, March 2020, that he launched what's known as a judicial review against the Scottish government, challenging the legality of, of the investigation that was brought against him. And ultimately, a judge, a high court judge in Scotland, found in Alex Salmon's favor, uh, he won hundreds of thousands of pounds in costs and legal costs. It was almost a, a record, I think, at the time. It was, it was noted as being a record level of win. And it, basically the judge had found that, it, that the investigation into Alex Salmond had been unlawful and um, tainted by apparent bias. That's a quote from the high court judge. But he was nonetheless, the trial nonetheless continued so that there, he won that high court victory investigation, reviewing the investigation into him, but he still was put on trial uh, and then ultimately was found uh, not guilty. He was acquitted on all charges. Now. Craig Murray, like Alex Salmond, is a known supporter of the pro-independence movement in Scotland. And the Scottish National Party, the SNP, uh, was able to gain seats largely on the basis of its support. Uh, I'm not saying that everyone who voted for the SNP voted because they want independence, but the SNP was famous for being a pro-independence party to separate from, from England and Wales. Yes, so they become their own state. And 
this trial, the, the investigation prosecution of Alex Salmond occurs within a climate of a, of a very public split within the SNP, where Alex Salmond was accusing uh, the current first minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, of being, if you like, of dragging her feet on the independence question, as though she was kicking the can down the road. And so there's been all kinds of splits uh, uh, seen within the SNP. And Craig Murray was known not only to be uh, supportive of independence, but close to Alex Salmond and very critical of the prosecution of him. And many of the articles he published uh, made that criticism clear, where he was noting and quoting other people and, uh, and bringing up his own opinions as to the nature of the trial. He basically described the trial, the prosecution of Alex Salmond as a politically motivated stitch up. And so, this is the overall environment and the context in which many people consider the charges against uh, Craig Murray as being also politically motivated, because how come nobody else was prosecuted for jigsaw identification if indeed this was their concern? Why did they wait till the end of the trial to raise this as an issue if they really believed that people were being identified, albeit indirectly from these articles, how come they didn't immediately raise this with the judge and then tell him to take down the articles. Um, so it's basically, there's an argument of selective prosecution, if you like, that can but be- It seems to me to be that uh, it was selective prosecution because others, including Tommy Robinson, uh, they uh, didn't, uh, they may have been charged, but they were uh, found innocent and they were not charged with jigsawing. I think there were two, three, two or three other cases uh, that you point out in your article. Uh, but it really, uh, it baffles me that the judge, Darian, uh, Lord Darian, uh, was uh, in charge of this trial. It seems like she was angry and this was like revenge because, you know, Salmon won his case. Now, the jury, I'm sure, was not looking at Craig Murray's um, writings. That's not what uh, determined the outcome of the acquittal. Uh, do you think it had anything to do with the acquittal? Uh, uh, Craig Murray's uh, so-called jigsawing, which is totally opaque to me. I don't see any jigsawing. Uh, no, although the, the prosecution did not argue in that case that uh, the, the trial was in any way unfair, that it impacted the, the ultimate verdict. They did argue that two articles he published uh, uh, were highly likely to prejudice the jury, but that charge was dismissed ultimately by the judges. So in this case, in the Jigsaw case, it wasn't so much about influencing the jury as it, as it was so much about the idea that there are these witnesses who have a protective order. You're, you're not allowed to reveal their identities uh, because this is, was a, a sex assault trial. And we believe that these articles increase the likelihood that somebody could be uh, identified. It is important to note that the threshold that was agreed by the judges was the, she, they sided with uh, the prosecution in terms of the interpretation of what the threshold should be. So the defense argued it should be a, a narrow threshold, meaning that uh, could a general member of the public read these articles and then piece together the identity? And ultimately the, the judges did not side with that position. They are, they, the legal test they accepted was, could somebody who already had intimate knowledge of who these people were, just say friends of the uh, complainants in Alex Salmon's case, just say they didn't know that they were the alleged victims. If they had intimate knowledge and they were able to piece together information from the articles, well then that's enough for you to be in violation of contempt of court. 
I do want to say though, on the Tommy Robinson case, that was in England, so that's a different legal jurisdiction. Tommy Robinson was found guilty in two separate cases for contempt of court for actually filming outside of court, including harassing defendants in trials going in and out. And in his case, despite being found guilty in two separate contempt of court uh, uh, proceedings, the total sentence he got was nine months. And this was for, if you like, much more direct violation of contempt of court because he was outside making pronouncements of guilt. He was outside trying to get the defendants on camera just when the jury was trying to come to its verdict. And, and that's quite serious. You're not allowed to do that uh, here. Uh, I, 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 we, we, we're short on time here. I, I want to get to um, the sentencing. And, and at sentencing, you got eight months and they wanted him to turn himself in in just a few days, just on the heels of him testifying in this major case in Spain, in Madrid, in the UC Global case, the spine of Julian Assange. And Craig was one of those, myself a little bit, Craig was one of those who was spied on and he was going to be a key witness. So this comes at a, uh, a very um, a strange juncture, wanting him to stay, turn his passport, not be able to testify. Um, you know, Craig has been a thorn in the side of the powers that be, not only in Scotland, but the UK in general, rather. Uh, he, uh, you know, exposed torture uh, that the Brits overlooked in Uzbekistan, the treatment of Julian Assange, and a whole bunch of other shenanigans uh, exposing their war crimes. Uh, he's the type of guy, you know, a dissenter that looks like they'd like to neutralize. Uh, Hugh Kerr, who I know, a close friend, a former member of the European Parliament, came out and said this was a complete disgrace. You spoke to Hugh Kerr and uh, others. And what was the General John Pilger feeling about this trial and the sentencing? Uh, they believe that it's politically motivated. Uh, uh, they believe that the sentencing uh, itself was much too high. I gave you the example of Tommy Robinson, who only got one month higher than Craig. Uh, they also believe that the way that jigsaw identification is being interpreted and applied uh, is a danger to journalists and others who would uh, cover trials. Uh, it, it, it's, so they're very critical and, uh, of the situation and very concerned. I would say Hugh Kerr, in addition to being a former MEP, was also a former vice chancellor of the Scottish Executive Council of the National Union of Journalists. So he's also a journalist as well himself. Uh, so yes, it's, uh, it, it's, there's a lot of concern, both about the nature of the prosecution, what feels like selective prosecution, but also about um, the, the, the level, the severity of the sentencing as well. Uh, what, now, where does he go from here? Um, he, he has an appeal coming up. She gave him a few weeks and said that he's got to turn himself in. How far can this go uh, ultimately uh, before he Really, at his age, 62, he's got, he, he's admitted, he's shown his papers and his recent blog uh, that he's not in great physical condition. I had him on my show one day and he just went through a major operation uh, a couple of years back. So I know he's not in great physical condition and being, uh, you know, he's got like a four month old uh, child. Uh, so this is not a uh, opportune moment for uh, Mr. Murray to be going to prison. That's correct. Uh, there were various issues submitted in mitigation, his age, his past good character, no previous convictions, pulmonary conditions as well. 
as you noted. Basically, he's got an appeal to the Supreme Court, the UK Supreme Court. Uh, however, it's very limited in the scope that you can appeal because the, the Scotland has its own criminal legal system uh, separate from England and Wales. So he can only really appeal on human rights grounds if there is an argument about due process uh, violations in terms of the European Convention of Human Rights or the right, uh, perhaps infringement of the of the freedom of speech and freedom of the press. So Article Six and Article Ten of the European Convention, but that that's a very high bar, and even then you still have to get permission to appeal. So they'll first apply for permission from the High Court. The, the same courts that, that rendered the verdict, right? If, the, if permission is denied, then they'll seek permission, permission from the Supreme Court. Uh, and if permission is granted, they'll make their argument. If they're unsuccessful, they may be able to then make a further claim to the European Court of Human Rights. But after that's all done, he could have easily have served his sentence of eight months. Right, already. so, so uh, th there is some time. Oh, I see. He could be in jail while he's appealing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, ultimately, that could end up happening unless they, they're prepared to stay his, uh, extend his, uh, keep him out of prison while he's appealing. It depends on the, on the courts, you know. So, right. the, so the process could end up being the punishment, even if, even if the, something happens to the conviction that's somehow reversed. In the case of Julian Assange, uh, that's exactly what's happening. Two years uh, awaiting this extradition, this bogus extradition um, request by the U.S., uh, uh, Mohammed, we're going to uh, be following you on, on, on Twitter and, uh, and follow you. Uh, I know you're going to stay on top of this. Uh, we'll have you back very soon as the process unfolds. Thank you, uh, Mohammed Almazi, and uh, we look forward uh, to your future writings on the Craig Murray case and others. Thank you very much. We'll be right back with um, uh, Deepa Driver, uh, another friend of Craig, Mur a friend of Craig Murray's, uh, who's going, going to share uh, some of her thoughts uh, in just one minute. All right, we'll be right back. We are back. I'm Randy Credical, Randy Credical live on the fly here on 99.5 FM in the Big Apple here in New York City. Free Speech Radio, WBAI.org. We are discussing today the conviction and the sentencing of Craig, I mean, heavy sentencing of Craig Murray, uh, the whistleblower, the journalist, the author, human rights crusader, and former. Uh, FCO ambassador to Uzbekistan from the UK. Uh, joining us now is uh, Dr. Deepa Driver, who we had on the Assange Countdown, the Freedom Show uh, eight months ago, uh, discussing uh, the organizing around the movement to free Assange. Uh, a great organizer. Uh, she is a uh, labor uh, leader. Uh, she is a, a professor. She's got a doctor there. She's a doctor and she knows Craig really well. In fact, uh, I think you uh, uh, spoke with him recently. Uh, Dr. Driver, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Randy. Yeah. Um, yes. 
So uh, let me uh, ask you, when was the last time you saw Craig? Uh, was it before the trial or after the trial? It was before the sentencing. And um, I saw him over the weekend at the International Festival of Whistleblowing, Dissent and Accountability. Um, Craig's original sentencing date was Friday. And uh, we thought that, you know, should, should things not turn out right, he would he would not be with us on the Saturday because he would be otherwise engaged at Her Majesty's pleasure. But then the sentencing hearing moved to the Tuesday and Craig made the effort to come and stand in solidarity with a huge amount of, huge number of whistleblowers and hacktivists and lawyers and journalists and um, activists who had gathered at the International Festival. And um, Craig was on a panel with Mohamedou Ouslahi, you may remember him from um, the the film, The, the Mauritanian. Mohamedou was uh, tortured and incarcerated at Guantanamo for 14 years uh, before being released without charge. And a film has been made about him and his lawyer, Nancy Hollander. And uh, Mohamedou was one of the people who was at the festival because um, at the festival, we had various sessions where People talked uh, both of the impact of the things that uh, were whistleblown on, as well as the costs that whistleblowers paid. Uh, we had politicians and journalists and activists and lawyers talking about the context as well. Um, and Craig was on this wonderful panel with Marjorie Cohn and uh, Mohamedou and um, Andy Worthington, who, uh, who's I think been on your show as well. And um, Craig was telling us about his experiences of whistleblowing, but also bringing it kind of up to date by, um, by, by a real act of, you know, this is a man who's due to be sentenced, who's got a newborn baby, who's, um, who'd sacrificed a huge amount to let the truth come to light. And yet when he was granted a couple of extra days at home, um, before the the sentencing, for whatever administrative reasons, he actually made the effort to come and stand in solidarity with Mohamedou. Mohamedou was treated so appallingly at Guantanamo. He was sexually tortured. He he was uh, beaten. He was told at times that his mother was in the next room being tortured, and he would have to admit to things. You know the horrors that these people saw were of course revealed by Julian Assange, another person who is now sitting in Belmarsh prison, another truth teller. And Craig, of course, uh, did this wonderful coverage, um, you know, blow by blow coverage of each and every detail of Julian Assange's extradition hearings in September and um, the verdict in January, and of course in February as well. Um, and Craig, Craig's got this wonderful ability to marry both political understanding and um, almost a um, this very humane approach to the law, this understanding of the context within which the law operates and what is right and what is wrong. So um, he was telling us about all of that at the festival. Well, you you went to uh, you were a court observer. Um, uh, 
it must have been really uh, shocking to, to see the treatment that he was accorded and, and the fact that he was found guilty. This uh, genteel man, the man who uh, has got a big heart and uh, wouldn't harm anyone. Uh, he's done so much great work. And to see someone like this basically being persecuted, crucified almost, in my opinion, uh, it must have been very heartbreaking for you since you've known him for a while. I've known Craig um mainly through his work on Assange. And um, I think when we, at least for me, when uh, I've always seen Craig as this shining example of understanding what the law is really for. And so to, uh, we were only allowed to dial into his extradition hearing. I was one of the legal observers. And so I phoned into this hearing and when when the original hearing took place, I was surprised by the um, by the range of things that were said, including that you know the information that many other journalists had clearly disclosed far more than Craig had. Yet Craig had been singled out for prosecution. Um, the efforts that Craig had gone to respect um, the privacy of the individuals concerned, of course, and that the court took a view on. Um, and more recently, I think, um, the disclosures around Craig's health and the severity of the medical conditions that he, um, that he suffers from, including, you know, um, the, what, what was quite astonishing was that it was said that Craig couldn't do his his uh, punishment as community service because he was too ill to do that. And so it was quite, uh, I think Craig himself has said how shocked he was, not shocked, but disappointed perhaps, that um, in, in this situation, he was sentenced to eight months in prison. I think Craig was is one of those people who is quite brave and it took a lot of courage to um, to set out in front of an, uh, a relatively open court, I would say, um, what those medical situations were in mitigation. Uh, so it is quite sad that for a first offence, for a man of 62 who's never, you know, intentionally breached the law and this idea of the way in which jigsaw identification has been interpreted, which, which, which to a certain extent worries many campaigners on free speech because it means that journalists will find it very difficult in the case of protected witnesses to report anything of the defense case, which, you know, we always have this presumption of innocence, even when it's a protected, um, not witness protected, um individual about whom the case is. So to find that um, this presumption of innocence, which is also, of course, um, driven by um, the ability to state your side of the case is something that uh, somebody like, you know, who's accused of such offenses can never do. Um, and this is, this is really worrying. So Craig's case is important, not just because he um, he was prosecuted for contempt of court, but also for the kind of um, punishment that he's got. And lastly, I guess just very briefly to say that 
Craig was due to testify in Spain. And this was in relation to a trial in relation to the Spanish firm UC Global, which was used by the Ecuadorians um, to monitor the embassy at which uh, Julian Assange was. And in this instance, um, you know, Craig giving his testimony in per person was particularly important because of, obviously um, it's in a foreign court, the rapport, et cetera, with the prosecution and the witnesses is very difficult. And so um, it was really important for um, Craig to be there and now he won't be able to. And he's it's amazing. To it's amazing. We have a few minutes left. We are talking uh, with Dr. Deepa Driver, who, uh, amongst other things, you wear a lot of hats, is on the steering committee of the Labour Campaign for Free Speech. Now, this, uh, what has happened, the aftermath of, of, of the trial and, and the sentencing of Craig Murray, does that to you send a chilling effect uh, to uh, journalism as a whole in the UK? I think it sends a very strong message to independent journalists. Firstly, um, there is a concern that independent journalists are being singled out over and above mainstream journalists. Secondly, journalists who are quite critical, who have, um, you know, said things in the past, will probably feel a little bit nervous, a, a lot nervous, um, about reporting on complex cases. Those who go into the courts will be particularly nervous. I think the way in which jigsaw identification is um, is thought about, and I know you spoke to Mohammed El Mazi about this in some detail, so I won't repeat it. But this this really um, prevents people from speaking their mind um, about issues which are of great importance. And so the Labour campaign for free speech is, of course, very concerned about this because of the way in which many truth tellers have been silenced and much the mainstream media has failed repeatedly um, because they have repeated propaganda lines from the elites who are in power, either because they want access or because um, they are so brainwashed. So it is really important to have independent journalists like Craig be supported. And I would urge others to support him at this very, very difficult time. Yeah, go to Craig Murray's uh, website and you can support his defense uh, fund. Um, um, and, and, and what else can people do? We have one minute. Is there any organizing around this as there has been for Julian Assange for the last 10 years, vigils, uh, rallies, uh, any public campaigns that you foresee in the immediate future? Well, certainly those who are, um, many of us who are campaigning for Julian Assange are very aware of um, how much Craig has sacrificed. And certainly we are all coalescing around Craig. Um, I guess there is no immediate um, defense uh, organization to highlight. But what I would say is that um, there are events which we're trying to organize around Craig. The Labour Campaign for Free Speech is particularly interested in talking about this. So um, please follow us and we will provide more information as we go through. Okay. Uh, I want to thank you very much, um, Dr. Driver. And uh, we uh, hope to have you back on soon with some uh, glad tidings. Um, we have to go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with... Uh, Julian Assange's father, who is very concerned about what happened to Craig, and uh, that is uh, Mr. John Shipton. Uh, we'll be right back. Die, fish.
verschwunden und so mancher reiche Mann und sein Geld hat mit die Messer, den man nichts beweisen kann. That was Latalania, Mac the Knife. I'm Randy Critical. This is Randy Critical live on the fly here on 99.5 FM in New York City, uh, free speech radio. So we are continuing our discussion today, our special program on the persecution of Craig Murray, our good friend here at WBAI, a good friend of Julian Assange, a good friend of all oppressed people around the world. Uh, and uh, as promised that uh, we are joined now by I, I believe who has become a very dear friend of Craig Murray, and that is uh, the father of Julian Assange uh, and a dear friend of mine. I become a dear friend of, uh, you become a dear friend of mine, John Shipton. Thank you for uh, participating in this uh, special program. Oh, good to see you again, Randy, and pleasure to be here. Yes. Looking well, forward to our like, dinner down there in the Catskills. Well, you're going to have to come back real soon, and hopefully Craig will be here, and uh, and so will Nils Melzer. Um, and, and Gabriel. My God, that will be a riot. <laughs> that, I mean, we'll go deer hunting, okay? We go deer yeah. hunting. But, um, you know, you and I had some very, uh, you know, interesting and, and deep discussions when you were here about a range of issues. Uh, but, you know, Craig Murray came up a lot. And I, I remember the last time I saw Craig Murray was with you uh, at Belmorish. And you were sitting together, uh, not only in the gallery, but uh, in the dining room. So you and Craig uh, became, I, 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 I would imagine, very good friends during the process at Belmorish. Yes. And, uh, and in the February hearing, we uh, sat together for the full three weeks. And then I went up to uh, Craig's place and spent a few days up there. Uh, up in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. He has uh, a very generous and, and uh, warm host. I can recommend popping into Craig's place. Well, I was I was at Craig's place, too, back in 2017. Ah and spent uh, three days with him and his wife and his uh, son, uh, Cameroon. And I must tell you, you are right, that that is like the most hospitable uh, situation to be in if you're visiting Scotland. Am I correct? Yeah, it is. And he took me on a, a tour of the famous uh, landmarks of Edinburgh, among them uh, the uh, original, the first place uh, where the uh, what do they call themselves? The semi-religious group, uh, the Masons, where the Masons had their first meeting and first uh, meeting house. Uh, he took me there, yeah, uh, um, and the other uh, um, artifacts of Edinburgh. Very interesting city, and a good uh, a good historian. He. Uh, was able to uh, bring out of his bag of tricks uh, the stories of uh, the life of Edinburgh, you know, a very, very yeah. good city, Edinburgh. Me too. I mean, I did the same thing with him. He took me around. He took me to where uh, 
Adam Smith is buried and um, many other great um, uh, progenitors of the um, of the Scottish Enlightenment. Uh, it was quite a tour. He could be a great tour guy. He's just an all around, all around, excuse me, all around great individual. And, um, and, and as I said to Deepa, last guess, he's genteel, he's generous. And uh, the situation that he is in right now, uh, that uh, he, he may be going to jail for eight months. When you found out about that, uh, how did it affect you? Oh, it's just appalling. The um, insecurity of one state or another sort of uh, destroying the lives of uh, correspondents and journalists and historians who write accurately. Um, so that's happened to Julian Assange and now it's happening to, to Craig that his life is being destroyed for some, uh, to save the to save the second raters that come that currently run Scotland from embarrassment, nothing more, just embarrassment. Well, so you really know, his reporting. Sorry, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was going to get to that. His reporting uh, Craig on is something of a, a magician. I sat next to him for three weeks every day, watching him take notes for the reportage on the Julian Assange hearing. And he would seemingly be asleep, seemingly be asleep. And he'd just write these notes, these little hieroglyphs on a piece of paper. And then he'd go home and convert that to a full, uh, a full exposition of the day's hearing. So just a wonderful capacity for uh, writing little mnemonics. Also, the other thing is that he is able to record the the legal details and write them down but at the same time the emotional circumstances so he was able to point out that the manifestation of evil in the court that in the hearing that uh, we were at julian assange hearing the manifestation of evil in the oppression uh, of julian uh, you know, for example, Julian had to get on his knees in the dock and whisper through a slot in the glass into the ear of his barrister standing on her tiptoes in order to hear. So that circumstance, the emotions of that circumstance, Craig was able to fully grasp and report. It's very, very great talent indicates that you're dealing here with a man uh, who's fully human, fully yeah. human. Absolutely. You know, I, I remember watching him sitting next to you uh, at the first uh, segment of the, the two-part hearing, uh, the one in Belmarsh before they moved to the Old Bailey, and you two were sitting side by side, not only during the hearing, but afterwards in the coffee shop, you two seem to have really bonded. Uh, it, it, it must be like crushing for you. I, I don't think there's a better advocate uh, for your son, a more eloquent, a more consistent. I mean, John Pilger and Craig Murray, you know, one and two all the way. Uh, but uh, what he has done uh, to uh, enlighten the public on, on the, on the uh, circumstances, the, the persecution of your son, and to now possibly lose that for the next eight 
months is it must to you be a serious loss oh you know it's very distressing to see a friend uh, and also a citizen of such capacity there is the phenomena here that we must look at together someday in the future that the strata of genius that the 20th century created moving into the 21st century a strata of genius in the western world is being destroyed for state preferences and leading those states into a blind alley it would that's something we ought to have a a, a little meeting over it's a a phenomenon that has de de descended upon Julian Assange and now has descended upon the wonderful uh, diarist of Scotland, Craig Murray. You know, he's the equivalent of Samuel Pepys, uh, um, who of course is the diarist uh, that uh, is, is well known for uh, his uh, observations of life in the 19th century fabulous people well you know thank you for reminding me of Pepe's. uh you know i would say for your son he's been the uh emil zola uh you know he knows that your son has uh, committed no crime he's all the way through the last i've had him on this show going way back and all the way through the last five years, even when he was facing time in jail, he has been out there as an outspoken, a fervent critic uh, of those who are oppressing Julian Assange. It says a lot about uh, Craig Murray, doesn't it? Yes, uh, you know, I, I reckon what we ought to do is when his appeal hearing comes up, because I'll be over there in Europe, you can zip over and meet, and we can meet in Edinburgh and get a palanquin and put it on our shoulders, you, me, and a couple of other stalwart Scottish friends, and carry, carry on our shoulders in a palanquin uh, Craig Murray down to the courthouse. We won't be oppressed by those blighters because it's a true friend and a true fighter, that Craig Murray. Yeah, you know, you guys really bonded well uh, aside from the writing that he's done on behalf of your son and his, uh, his uh, you know, passionate uh, support uh, of, of, of Julian, uh, you two really bonded. There's something about Craig Murray that is real, uh, that is human, that you don't see in a lot of people. What, what, what really uh, bonded you two together? Because I saw it both uh, in the coffee shop and when you were sitting together? Well, it's interesting because we were able to discuss the motives uh, of the government and the manipulations and uh, mischievous uh, uh, wickedness of, uh, of the Judge Baritza. But at the same time, we were able to sit and have a cup of coffee and not say a word to each other and not feel uncomfortable. So those, you know, you know how it is, Randy. If you, if you have a friend that you're close to, that uh, you bond with, you don't have to say much. But if there's something to say, they listen intently and fairly. So that's how the circumstances were. 
Yeah, I, I felt the same way when I stayed with him for those three days with him and his wife and the Dara and son Cameroon. Now they have a new uh, son, uh, so yeah, son yeah. a new kid, and uh, here he is, 62 years old. Uh, he's in, in, in failing health, and the system is going after him. Do you think this is politically motive, or am I? That's a rhetorical question. It is politically motive, isn't it? Oh, completely. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they have one reporter who speaks truthfully and eloquently in all of Scotland who's popular, just one. His name's Craig Murray. And their foolishness, they d decide to destroy him, leaving them themselves in a, you know, government can't continue in an air of delusion and and self-interest that the interests are the the people not those silly ideas that they've got to remain united with the united kingdom forever and a day simply because they're going to get access to a white car uh, to, <laughs> to get access to a state funeral in a white car that's <laughs> well that's that their, what the reward will be that is truth of the highest power. I uh, must say uh, that uh, you now now we have a, a dual problem. We were just focusing on Julian. Now now we got to focus on Craig. You know, I did this series called uh, Science Countdown to Freedom, which we're continuing. And what am I going to do? A Murray Countdown to Freedom? Uh, you know, <laughs> our our hands are tied behind our back, and we're fighting. But uh, what what do you? Um, foresee uh, what what kind of movement did you foresee uh, to uh, extricate him from this uh, legal uh, quagmire and get him back on track where he has been such an invaluable asset to the movement to free your son well i just think that uh, you know we ought to when we go over there to scotland we'll put some organizational effort into uh, putting together a simple and effective organization to uh, fight for Craig's uh, freedom and for <laughs> and uh, that'll be a real pleasure. So that uh, organization that we've put together worldwide for Julian will turn the, the heavy guns onto the, uh, the Salmon administration. Sorry, not the Salmon administration. It's, there's so many fishers in uh, Scotland, the Sturgeon administration. Yeah, Sturgeon, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're, going, you're fishing for for uh, words here. No, I'm fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's good. You know what's great that you have, and I and I realized this uh, in uh, January when you visited me at, at Gabriel up in Woodstock, uh, what a great sense of humor you've been able to maintain uh, Craig Murray has uh, an incredible sense of humor and your son, in spite of everything he has gone through, uh, has a great sense of humor. Uh, how important is it? How do people maintain a sense of humor in, in such a dire uh, situation? Oh, well, you know, you, <laughs> there's some, there's a lot of comedy in it because uh, you and I and Craig and well, principally Craig and uh, Julian, they take on an enormous task and <laughs> to defend them, we take on a task so big and so vast that it's like holding a candle to the sun. So it's pretty comic in a lot of ways, but 
progressively over time uh, it's history seen has seen that we are on the right side so the worldwide movement for the support of julian assange is manifest itself that the uh, journalist is sorry the in the white house press meetings the day before yesterday a simple journalist like julian assange who writes truthfully is a, a subject matter for questions to the white house spokesperson jen yeah. psaki by I'm the new yes. york Post. i saw that that's really important so we've pushed this thing right up to the very tops a uh, very height of the concerns of the White House, that there are questions asked at White House press briefings. So we would hope to uh, continue to do that with Julian and do the same with Craig. All right, well, you, so, you got, you've got a lot on your uh, plate right now. I, I hope that you uh, come back to the US real soon and continue, uh, you were here and, 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 and uh, advocating for Julian's release. Uh, I think, um, Things are going in the right direction. Uh, I, I think that uh, that uh, he's, you know, with, with changes in in the Justice Department, that the people that I know that are in the Justice Department, like um, Vanita Gupta, who I worked with uh, for three years in the Civil Rights, she's number three in line uh, behind the um, the Attorney General, and uh, I, I can't imagine that she would allow or she wouldn't uh, be advocating that your son be released. It would be a real uh, dark day for the Justice Department and the U.S. Uh, to uh, continue this intimidation in, in, in this institution. Uh, oh, Andy, of, Andy the, the William Barr administration of the Department of Justice has brought upon the United States a terrible mess. And every court case in London further exposes the manipulations that William Barr and his friends in the CIA went through to bring about a case against Julian. The gold of the United States, the pure gold, is the First Amendment. And we all, every country in the world, looks to the First Amendment and hopes that, to see it in their own legislation. For the United States to destroy it in the face of the world and have the world watch as it unbundles the pure gold in its constitution is really very distressing. So I guess Merrick Garland and your friend will go about fixing that up. As for Craig Murray, we join with you uh, distressed to see that the state has turned against another of its geniuses and uh, uh, we will join him in his fight and send out warmth and love to his family. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to follow that. You got the last word, uh, John Shipton. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, for your time here, and thank you for all of the work on B Well, of course, you're going to do it anyway for your son and for Craig Murray and for those who speak truth. Uh, you certainly are a godsend uh, to this uh, entire movement. Uh, uh, for a freedom of the press. And uh, we hope to see you very soon upstate for another stake. And we can we'll talk be about there on the We'll be there on the 30th of May. So right. I'll be waiting for you, okay? Yeah.
<laughs> Great. John Shipton, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to go out now. Uh, here is um, Ladalania and September Song. Uh, thank you very much. This is uh, Randy Critical, Randy Critical Live on the Fly, 99.5 FM uh, WBAI in New York City. Uh, see you uh, on Wednesday. Thank you, folks. Oh, it's a long, long while from Medill December and the days grow short when you reach September when the autumn weather turns the leaves to flame one hasn't got time Yeah.